Our third speaker is Neha Kumar, my colleague here at DIFPRI, Senior Research Fellow in the Poverty, Health and Nutrition Division. Neha, welcome. Thanks, Rajul. Uh, and a special thanks to Katrina and Leonard for inviting us to contribute to the special issue. And thanks to, to all of you for coming here today. Uh, I'll be presenting on joint work with colleagues in which we look at the role that women's groups can play in improving service delivery in rural areas. Uh, and we study this in, this in the context of India. So as is the case in many countries, there's a wide range of public services entitlements that are available, uh, but often they are not used optimally. They are either misallocated or underused. And these inefficiencies can be due to either supply side or demand side uh, factors. Um, in our study, we focus on the demand side factors, such as information and the ability of potential beneficiaries to hold public entities accountable. So uh, just a brief introduction of uh, women's self-help groups. These are not WhatsApp groups. Uh, these are actual physical groups where 10 to 20 women from the same community come together. They meet regularly, and they deposit money in a common pot. They, they're also able to borrow from, these, uh, from this pot. And many times, uh, livelihoods-based inter intervention programming is layered on these kinds of uh, groups. These groups offer unique features that can help alleviate some of the demand factors in rural service delivery. So the first one is reach. Uh, under the government, in kind of government's initiatives, these have proliferated in the country. Uh, they cover now over 5 million households. The second is the modality. So this is a very cost-effective way of reaching women. Uh, in rural areas. And the third is uh, evidence has shown that women's group-based programs have affected women's outcomes on a number of different uh, domains. And we, in related work, we develop a conceptual framework where <clears throat> we identify the different pathways and we borrow from that in, the, in this particular work. So the first pathway is the rights pathway, which is triggered either by accountability training or awareness generations that's programmed into the group. Uh, activities, and that would lead to increase in knowledge and access and use of public entitlements. Uh, the second uh, pathway is a cross-cutting pathway of building social capital and empowering women, which is triggered in these kinds of interventions as such. So it's a group-based activity, so it, it leads to these things. And what this may lead to in our particular context is, context is greater mobility, uh, more social networks, and increased political participation. We use data from an on ongoing evaluation um, looking at the um, nutrition intensification efforts by an NGO in India called Pradhan. We have data on 2,744 women in the age group of 15 to 49 years. Uh, and we do not condition on SAG membership. So we have data on women who are and, and not members of uh, groups. The outcomes considered here are knowledge, utilization of uh, certain government entitlement schemes, political participation, something similar to what uh, Dave presented on attending meetings, voting, um, and then the last uh, set of indicators are on social networks and mobility. Uh, and we use nearest neighbor matching to attribute the impact of membership on our outcomes. So just comparing women who are in groups with women who are not in groups, we find that women who are in groups fare better on all our outcomes. So they are more politically active. They are more likely to have heard of and utilize certain schemes. They have better networks. They have greater mobility. They are more confident in speaking publicly. You know, the things that we would expect, given that 
uh, membership is self-selected. You decide whether or not you want to go, you want to join a group, so you would expect this would happen. So let's turn to the matching results where we find that in fact, membership has a positive impact on political participation, and we find that the indicators that move a lot are the ones that are based on self-reliance, so they decided to vote because they thought it was a good idea to do so, not because someone asked them to do so. But we find no impacts on awareness of entitlement schemes across the board except a large uh, workfare program. However, if the women are aware of these schemes, they are more likely to utilize them if they are members. Uh, we also find positive impact on social capital and on uh, you know, confidence in speaking publicly. So if we go back to the framework and the pathways, we find that the, um, the pathway of social uh, capital and empowering women is, in, is at play. It's leading to uh, improved political participation. However, we do not find increased awareness about entitlement schemes, which kind of tells us that we need to have a more focused delivery of these kinds of information. We cannot expect the, the groups to do, that, do this automatically. So I would just conclude by saying that SHGs or women's groups do have the potential to increase their members' to, uh, members' ability to hold public entities accountable, and the potential pathways are through greater confidence, a collective voice, and more political involvement. However, we cannot uh, rely on just these groups to be able to increase knowledge. We need to have a mandate or a deliberate effort to increase this awareness. Thank you.